And so a lot of times when we get saved, it's we're, we're looking at all the benefit and not realizing that he says in this world, you will have trouble and uh, the persecution comes and hardship comes. Welcome back. It's another Friday and you won't believe it. We've got another pastor who showed up. It's crazy. So we might actually make this it to the whole This is so unlike us. This is Anchored and Devoted. I'm Pastor Joseph and I'm Pastor Jer. Ooh, and we have Ronnie Harris with us from in Fires. That's right. We're keeping it still in Maryland. And he's got the amazing title. It's really just you know, a suit cover for worship ministry. Like it's kind of like care and counseling, like everything kind of fits under it. So I'm excited to hear your story, brother. And I'm also excited to hear what God's been doing lately. So we'll let you get started with the easy softball question of how did you come to Christ? It's open ended the question. I want to hear your story. Really, you can take, you know, some time. You don't need yeah. to rush it. But, don't, yeah. you know, I don't want the 50 minute version either. Right, right. Yeah, the Jesus exactly. church version. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, I was, uh, you know, <laughs> born into a household that was not a, a Christian household. You know, my okay. parents, uh, man, I think my parents did drugs together, drank together, partied together. Um, and, you know, when, but, but God's hand was still in it and was in my life even before I got saved. You know, even seeing my dad's life and hearing his testimony, I could see God was directing him. But yeah, we were. Back in Christ. Was this before you or after you? Um, this was actually after, after me, I mean, before me, but later and, and, you know, but, but God had been pulling him, you know, and directing him and, and he was, he was starting to change the course of his life. And so, uh-huh. yeah, so, you know, we were like, so we were in the projects in, um, a place called Newtown 19 in, um, Annapolis, mm-hmm. which has since been condemned and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, like. I, I guess when I was it's really young, was, was condemned. Yeah, Newtown Twenty yeah. is now gone as well. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh my yep. goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Heck, I finally yeah. came in and did some, did a little bit more good there. Yeah. Newtown Nineteen is now Admiral Oaks, I think. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, but yeah, we um, uh, he moved us out of there, you know, into the suburbs, into Pasadena, Maryland. So I grew up in Anne Arundel County, Maryland, and. Uh, and, uh, you know, at, at that point, um, you know, like we, it's, from what I hear, it was like kind of Ku Klux Klan territory back, back in the day and, uh, wasn't, didn't have as nearly, nearly the, the amount of diversity it has now. But, but anyway, um, so I grew up there and again, I, like I have early memories of my parents, um, arguing and fighting and because what had happened it's, is at some point along the way, my dad knew. He, he got came to a point where uh, he worked at the Naval Academy and he had a, 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 some Christians around him that God put there in his life. And uh, and he he knew before he got saved that this was true, but he thought he had to get his life cleaned up. Well, finally, he was convinced that, no, God saves you and cleans you up. And so he brought that into the home. But my, my mom wasn't ready for it. You know, they were to transition from a party life to a Christian life was a big transition for her. So how were you then? I was probably like five, six. And so I have these early memories, like, like visions in my, like I can, there was traumatic, like uh, memories of them fighting, memories of the police coming to our house, you know, to break up domestic disputes, Mm. memories of, um, you know, 
just just being a, a lot of a lot of craziness at home. Um, at some point, she left. She left when I was seven. Um, and uh, and uh, yeah, I guess just before then, it was around that time frame. I don't know if I was seven or eight, but this is where I, where I came to Christ because I I overheard my dad witnessing to my sister, who was about six years older than me. And, uh, you know, he was, he was a new believer still. And it was, he wanted to change the family. And, uh, and so I'm eavesdropping thinking she's getting in trouble and I'm going to get something juicy and, uh, <laughs> and sharing, sharing the gospel. And, and so, you know, in John chapter three, it says, you know, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and he says, you know, when it's true, because it's like, the, you know, this, the spirit is like, it's like the wind you see. You, you don't see it, but you can see the effects of it. You can hear the sound that it makes and you can right. see the wind. And um, that's what it was like. You know, I went and I just asked Jesus in my heart, but immediately it's not like I had this life of sin, but I, I mean, like I wasn't drinking as a six year old, you know, but um, yes, I do. Though. <laughs> <laughs> that's hard. That's there was some I gave the question the yeah, as well, but it still is. <laughs> yeah. But growing up in that kind of house, you know, there's a little tasting of this and that here and there, you know. Um, but anyway, um, but but really, like I could I could see God had got a hold of my life because I'm listening to I'm watching Jimmy Swaggart on the TV all the mm-hmm. time, listening to the Bible on cassette tape. And uh, <laughs> I had a, record, a recorder and I could record I would record myself preaching. I would love to get a hold of those tapes. You know, I, who knows what I was saying? But. I, I knew that God was in my heart. I remember uh, following my sister around and telling her friends that they're going to go to hell unless they turn, you know, and, and receive Jesus and no tact whatsoever, but excited. <laughs> and so, um, so God got a hold of my life and uh, just put me on a, on a trajectory to continue to follow him. Um, there's a long part of the story, which I won't go into, but I, uh, I, most of my friends were unbelievers, and a, a big part of my testimony is how God kept me out of trouble, living mm-hmm. in a, a world where there was a there's a lot of secular influence in my life, and um, you know, and so you know, He was there from the beginning, and and uh, and walked me through a lot of you know craziness. Um, there, yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll I'll close it off with that. You know, maybe if, unless there's any clarifying questions. Or, just curious, uh, was your dad, your dad was teaching at the academy? No, 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 no. He was um, in public works at the academy. Okay. So he's, uh, uh, he was working in, on the, in the, um, in the garage. He's a mechanic. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Just curious. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what was his life like as the, your mom's gone, your dad's trying to rebuild the family, rebuild the family identity around Christ. What was his life like in those years after the Lord yeah. got a hold of him and how did that affect you? Totally. Um, it, it's again, one of those stories where you see the influence of the spirit because things are different. You know, he took us aside. Um, he tried to do this every day. I don't know if it happened in my mind. It was every day, but we would sit down, me and my sister and him, he'd mm-hmm. open up the Bible and he would just read. We would read a chapter or two a day, you know, and it was our family devotion. It was my dad reading the Bible. And so I remember him teaching me how to say the Lord's Prayer before bed. Um, mm-hmm. I remember him, you know, um, 
Yeah. So, so those were things he was always, I remember driving to places like every morning during the summer, I lived in my, uh, I was taken care of mostly by my grandmother, um, in Bestgate. And, uh, I remember those drives, you know, um, he always had Christian radio on. So I was always preaching, always WRBS, you know, like the, <laughs> I was, was going to ask, was it, yeah. was it WRBS or was it the really old one? WFSI? <laughs> it was both. It was both. Um, but yeah, I remember listening to the preaching and the stories and the music and, um, and it just, it, it just seeped in. Um, so there, there was, there was that, um, and yeah, I, so I would say, and then definitely I remember seeing him struggle too. He was struggling mm-hmm. with the quitting smoking. Um, and, you know, uh, but he did eventually, you know, yeah. And, uh, I made a deal with him. If I stopped sucking my fingers, he would stop smoking. And, uh, I stopped I like before it. he did, <laughs> but, like but eventually it. he stopped. <laughs> so, so where did you guys, that. where did you guys end up uh, in church? How, how quickly was that? And, and what was that like for you? It was right from the bat. The guy who led him to Christ was a part of Grace Independent Baptist Church, Crown okay. Maryland. And uh, so that's where we went. Uh, and so uh, that's that's where I grew up. It's the only other church I've been a part of my whole you know whole life. And so I got discipled by many Sunday school teachers and Awana's teachers and, and through that, that time. Awesome. Dave, back to you. <laughs> So, um, how did you end up, you know, serving here? And you can introduce yourself as far as what you do there. But how did you end up coming to 4C? Yeah. So, um, yeah, right. So I'll, I'll I'll put that in the in the story. Basically, um, when I was um, going through, I guess through my high school years, I did child evangelism fellowship, mm-hmm. um, and. And so during the summers, like I'm doing this, you know, they call them summer missionaries, learning how to share the gospel and just, you know, falling in love with ministry. Keep in mind, you know, I was a, a good Christian kid, you know, I knew the right answers in Sunday school and stuff, but most of my friends were unbelievers. And so I was walking that line, trying to fit into that secular world with the music I listened to. I was probably, when I started CEF, I was 13. Okay. So all through my middle school years and high school, most of high school years, I was kind of trying to live that double life. And, uh, but yeah, but, um, I did their full, they have a, they had a five year rotation. I did all five years. And so, uh, ninth through 10th, uh, ninth through 12th grade. And then the first year of college, I think I did it. It may have been eighth through 12th. I can't remember exactly, but learn the gospel. Um, and so I ended up going to, um, Washington Bible College, as I decided, was trying to decide what I wanted to do for a living, um, I, I knew that I loved the gospel, mm-hmm. I loved music, I was a, uh, and I loved languages, and I thought uh, being a missionary was the thing that could bring that all together. Um, I did not want to be a pastor, which is what I am now. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> did not want to be a pastor. <laughs> I thought, who runs into that? You guys are crazy. You know, I grew up in a small church where the pastor had everything. He was the only staff member and he had a, a, a part-time secretary. And uh, I just didn't want that. It seemed like you're inviting trouble. Um, throughout my college years, I started as a music major. And, um, and but after my first year, I thought, I don't want to be a professional musician either. I, I love music, but that's, 
I, I, I want to use it. I don't want to like have everything wrapped up in it. So I switched to pastoral or pre-seminary major. And okay. I thought, you know, I'll be a missionary, but in the mission field, I'll probably be preaching and stuff. So I should learn this stuff. The, the professor who, who had a lot of influence on me, um, what he showed me through his church was that the very reason that I was running away from pastoral ministry was the very reason uh, uh, that people need good pastors. So I'm running away from it thinking, oh, all these people's problems and people hurting and struggling and everybody bringing all of that to you. And, and that's hard. And who wants to run into that? And uh, but I remember thinking, you know, God changed my heart into thinking people are people. People are sheep. I'm a sheep. That's why we need good pastors. And so <laughs> and uh, so I thought, OK, I'm not going to run away from it, but that's still not what I want to do. I'm going to be a missionary. I'm going to translate. I'm going to be a Wycliffe Bible translator, you know. And um, but after I'm probably saying more than I need to say here. But after um, uh, I my you know, I got married when I was in college, my beautiful wife, April, um, and um, my, my last year of college. And when we got into that first year of seminary where we were both training to become, you know, Wycliffe Bible translators, we, we thought, let's learn the languages first. During that year, a lot of traumatic stuff happened. My grandmother died. Um, my wife was diagnosed with uh, cancer uh, with a 30%, 33% chance of living. Just things were oh, devastating. My. And so in that whole mix of things, the people that I was around, like God used those circumstances to keep me in seminary, keep me moving and going. And, um, and it got to a point where while she was being treated, you know, and, you know, I continued in college and in seminary. She, she eventually stopped because she was dealing with all these treatments and it was clear that God was going to keep us here. And so it's this question of what am I going to do? Um, I, I thought, well, uh, I will just keep continue on the academic route. And uh, and so it came to my last year and I had a sim uh, internship and half of it was teaching, um, working with my professors to help with Greek, teaching Greek and Hebrew. Okay. And then the other half of it was uh, pastoral internship under uh, Dr. Phil Powers here mm -hmm. at Forsey. Um, so keep in mind, I'm still a part of the church I grew up in. Um, and uh, the pastor there was thinking maybe he'll be here one of these days. And well, anyway, I did this internship to decide whether I wanted to go the academic route or the pastoral route. And God did something really special as I was here. He just started a, to, he lit a fire that he fanned into a flame towards the people who were here, um, the young mm -hmm. adults who were here. I didn't put out a resume or application any other place, but I felt like I want to be there with those people. And that, and that there was an opening and I applied and it just, my wife didn't want to be married to a pastor. I didn't want to be a pastor, but he changed both of our hearts and uh, wow. because it was supposed to be here. And, uh, and so that's how we, we came here and uh, diverse church interracially married. That was really important to us. And, uh, and just a, a, a beautiful kind of situation that we came into here. And uh, so that's how I ended up at Forsey. I will just say what I do here now is uh, I started as singles pastor, young adults pastor. I I moved to uh, missions pastor after about 10 years, missions and outreach. I'm still over missions and outreach. Um, I also do our benevolence ministry. 
but now I'm also the worship pastor um, here. <laughs> You've been promoted. I'm the Dave Dawson before <laughs> some You got to be yeah, across that's all right. That's right. We're going to give you an office in every room. That's right. You do a good job, we'll give you more work. Don't worry. Don't worry. You will, wow. we will make sure you are fruitful here. So uh, just just to give some love to our, our own water, uh, which prof are you uh, supporting the Greek under? Um, Dr. Um, Holliker, mm-hmm. I helped him. Um, no, that was it. He was the my, my who was hey, Dr. Edgar? Sorry, it was that correct? Dr. Edgar, and then um, I worked with do, uh, Professor, probably Doctor now, Dr. Meyer, uh, Mark Meyer, with the Hebrew stuff. Okay, that's awesome. So, were you MDiv track or you teach M? MDiv, yep. Okay, wow. I had to decide at that, you know, at some point, and then it was just like uh, I'll be either finish my MDiv and then go for go to like everybody's saying go to Cap, try apply to Catholic, you know, right? Uh, of course, university. And uh, but I just it, God took me the other direction. <laughs> I don't know if, if this is just me, but every there was a huge difference between the MDiv and the THM students, just in terms of how tired. They were like yeah. the MDF students <laughs> were bedraggled, right? But the THM guys were like walking zombies. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. incredible. I was like, I, my hat's off to you guys. I, yeah. I, yeah, I'm not gonna lie, I couldn't understand what they were doing. Like, I just, <laughs> were I just didn't know, like, what, like, what is the goal? <laughs> you could, you could go to another school and get a doctorate right. there. It's like, why right, are you bondage right. here? And I yeah. remember the issues of. What does it turn into? Was my question. I was like, does yeah. it turn into something that everyone knows? Because if I say I got a THM, no one in my family is going to know what that means. Say, oh, a master's. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Four years master's. Yeah. You know, working on this. Like, uh, <clears throat> yeah. So, who was the prophet the, at the college that um that helped you to zero in on on the call that got on you? His name was Jeff Carroll. Okay. Jeff Carroll. Yep. And uh, just really had a big influence in my in my uh learning how to preach and also mm-hmm. um and, and also deciding to be a pastor that's awesome so you said you're over the singles ministry it, uh, true or false singles ministries in churches are really how to get married ministries yes or no <laughs> sometimes it can seem like that right oh my goodness sometimes they like crumble it seems like in a couple of years the way we set it up when we came, it, it had been through one of those iterations, right? Um, yeah. And and it was kind of, uh, it felt, I think the people in a part of it felt like leftovers, you know, that they were trying yeah, sure. to rag it on. And it's like, and um, and so right right away, I think we kind of realized that this is not a marriage, how to get married ministry. This is about using your singleness uh, to, for for your maximum potential to accomplish what God has called you to accomplish, and and if you get married along the way, great, you're still welcome here, you know. So it, it transitioned from a singles ministry to a young adult ministry, where there were some young married couples, and people usually transitioned out once they started having kids. So I guess that's, that's a joke, right? Because that's what I do. Right. Oh, okay. Apologies. Right. However, <laughs> I think it's really prescient for. Um, for where we are today, you know, the the rate of marriage 
The age of marriage continues to go higher and higher. The rate of marriage continues to fall lower and lower. The rate of having kids continues to fall lower and lower, even with those who are married. And there's also a sense of, um, I don't know if despair is even too too strong a word. I think I think there's at least at the extreme sense of despair, but there's also a sense of disconnection mm-hmm. and um, confusion. And I don't mean in who am I, but just in what you know what's going on and why isn't more happening. That is over the majority of our culture right now, and, and certainly is going to affect Christians in this age group of kind of the 18 to 35 where, right, right. you know, the, the average age for getting married now is, is moving closer and closer. I, don't, I think it's crossed the 30 year old mark. Yeah. But it's so. getting closer to, has it? Yep. I think so. Wow. So what you're talking about is as important as it was when you were doing that, I think it's even more important now. Um, Cause you know, what you're talking about in, in following and willing to do what he's called you to do when it's uncomfortable, when it means learning a different language or when it means not going into, into the field that yeah. you want to go into and strapping on a yoke that you don't want to strap on and saying, you know, God, this isn't what I want. Why are you, why are you doing this to me? Marriage, singleness, they can both do the same thing. Whether, whether you yeah. want to be married or whether you don't want to be married, it can, it can carry that kind of weight with it. And the confusion and the questions of where is God in this? What's he called me to be? Am I not fulfilling something? Am I not, um, am I missing something? Is there something wrong with me? I think is that that fundamental question. Is there something wrong with me that God's not going to give me my dream, my hope, my, my vision until X, Y, or Z. And that's, that's a very real struggle. That's a very real place to wrestle. It is. And And the truth is like it, it's a real part, like being able to wrestle with that, that, that issue and to, to handle it correctly is, uh, I think it's, it's key to our discipleship too, because, you know, as unbelievers, as, uh, as young, you know, immature, maybe, uh, people, we, our lives are self oriented. So everything is about what, sure. what do I want? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so to be able to learn to say to my food is to do the will of the father. Like I want, I'll sign the blank check. God, you fill in the terms, whatever, you know, I'm just happy to do your will. I mean, that's, it's one thing to say that, but when he says, all right, what if it means being staying single? What if it means you yeah. can't have that job? You're going to have this job. What if it means you can't have kids? You know, what if it, you know, it's like, that's when the rubber hits the road and it's like, well, what is discipleship and following Jesus really look like here? You know? So it's a, it's a big deal. Would you speak to that some more? Would you just hang out on that note for a minute and, and drop some more on us? Yeah. I mean, you know, he said, I think Luke nine twenty three, right. He says, you know, if, if you want to be my follower, anyone who wants to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. And, and so a lot of times when we, we sign on to, you know, to become a Christian, you know, it's like, uh, who wants to live forever? Everybody raises their hand, you know, who wants to, (laughs) who wants to have eternal life and who wants to have God's resources, you know, like all of the the blessings, you know, we've raised our hand, but we don't, we're not so quick to raise our hand and says, who wants to, you know, 
to, to, to have trouble in this world, you know, <laughs> like who wants to lose their life for Christ's sake? <laughs> Come here, everyone will, you know, you'll lose your family or you lose your reputation. Like we're signing up for loss, you know, and, uh, and I think that we're not nat naturally oriented that way. Um, and, and so a lot of times when we get saved, it's we're, we're looking at all the benefit and not realizing that he says in this world you will have trouble and uh, the persecution comes and hardship comes. And yet he says in James chapter one, you know, count it all joy when you fall into these various trials and, and temptations and yes. tests. Yeah. Because God uses that to make, you know, to, to develop your patience, your perseverance, your faith. And so, so I just think that, yeah, a, a, an essential part of discipleship is learning to, uh, to die daily, uh, in little ways and big ways, you know, it's the Jesus trajectory, you know, where, uh, there's one author who talks about it as a J curve. His name's Paul Miller. Where he he condescends, just coming to earth, he comes down. It's like the form of a J, you know. And he he uh, you know to love others is to is really to die, you know. To to he he laid down his life, and um, but then there's that resurrection, the upswing of it, and uh, and and we do that. Um, that's what we're modeling every day, right? Or we're supposed to. So. Is that the same Paul Miller of? Uh a praying life. Yes. Yep. Good words. Really, really good stuff. Good book. Um, the J curve. Um, the everyday. I think it's the everyday uh, dying and rising of, um, of Christianity or something like that is the sub subtitle. That is the real stuff right there. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to see what you just described as an SNL skit. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see Will yeah. Ferrell as the Christian <laughs> raising his hand and then slowly that dawning yeah. realization of. Oh. <laughs> wrong line <laughs> yeah exactly but that, that's the real stuff and uh you know i've been walking with the lord for almost 40 years now and i there are still many many days when i wake up and i'm questioning god am i doing the right thing hmm. where are you why is this not going according to my plan and, I, and i'm wise enough i'm experienced enough to hear the question i'm, I'm you know to catch oh, yeah. oh that's right it's my my plan okay i got it yeah and i've i've learned to trust him but i've seen and i'm, I'm sure we have all seen plenty of people plenty of friends plenty of strong people who were strong christians fall away when that tree starts getting shaken mm -hmm. not just in the everyday wind right but that hurricane comes yeah. And it yeah. just starts rocking that tree to the roots. And all of a sudden it's like, well, where'd they go? Yeah. What happened? Yeah. Being grounded in the truth of who God is, of what he's called us to, the lack, the simplicity, but mm -hmm. the the lack of ease with which that simplicity is done. It's right. uh well, yeah. you don't have that, man. It it's really Jesus was was completely it's going to sound stupid to say, but Jesus was completely on the money, right? <laughs> exactly. He who hears my words and does them. Just to follow up on that as well, um, that becomes uh, a necessity when we're when that hurricane comes mm -hmm. is to be able to map yourself uh, to, to kind of see. All right, here's where I am. On like you are here to have an expectation that the hurric hurricanes do come, and then to know. Oh, here's where I am in that. Uh, okay, so 
Jesus suffered. I'm suffering too. <laughs> uh, okay. He says, you know, like just to be able to find yourself and to realize, all right, God said that this would happen. I'm going to be okay. He's with me. This hurts a lot. God help me. <laughs> you know, um, it's just important rather than to say, I didn't sign up for this. This is not supposed to happen. You know, well, I think what you're saying is one is one is yielding and letting God be God because he is in control mm-hmm. versus me being in control. I didn't sign up for this. This isn't what I want. Well, then I can judge, which isn't the right position. Only God can see the beginning from the end. So he knows what I need to go through and I have to be willing to trust. Yeah, that's hard. Often we don't take the time, as you stated, to look at the track record that we have with God. You know, when you talk about your life as a youth and seeing God bringing different mentors into your life and protecting you from different things, you can go through tougher things as you've grown in your faith to say, okay, the track record that I have with God is one where I can leap off of things. And that's what I tell people even about missions. I was like, you first need to start sharing your faith, like it's with family, friends, neighbors, before you take a trip around the country and turn it into Christian tourism, do what you're supposed to do here first. Yeah. yeah. And then look, as you do that, that God will make it clear what he's doing in you, whether it really is missions locally, nationally, or internationally. Don't just assume because I love, you know, Moroccan food that that's where I'm supposed to go or <laughs> because I like the, the colors of the Egyptian flag. That's, you know, yeah. or, you know, I met some missionaries who went here and so therefore I should go there. Very much as you started with your story, yeah. I can have good intentions and have a good plan, but God's going to do what he does. And I shouldn't view that as a failure because I didn't get into missions. He's right. going right. to move me step by step. And if I'm following, genuinely following, then that's all that matters is the relationship with him, not the, oh, I'm super missionary, but no, I'm following. And so as I take on the pastor role, I'm doing it up to him. I'm following him. Not, yeah. you know, this is a relationship, not just a um, a self-indulgence of holiness kind of thing. Right. <laughs> I'm, right. I'm seeking to make myself holy when I can't. This right. is all God's work. And he does a yeah. really good job. Um, I want to jump off for that just a second. And um, what you're talking about is I think we, we uh, it's easy to get this mixed up because we can read the Old Testament. We can read the story of Gideon. We can read the story of Abraham. We can we recognize in them this is not a, it might be Abraham's story, but the story is not about Abraham. It's about God's faithfulness. It's about mm-hmm. how God rescued Abraham out of his stupidity. It's yep. really easy to see that all through the book of Judges. But then all of a sudden we get to David like, oh, well, this is now about David. But it's not. It's but it's never God. been. Exactly. And we make that mis- we make that mistake and then we apply it to ourselves the same way. It's like, wait, wait a second. No, this is the story of Jonah was not about how Jonah overcame his fear of other people. It's Jonah was an idiot and God worked anyway. And I would even say I would even say with David, we misunderstand often when it talks about David loving God or befriending God, God chose him first and and made him for that position in time. So He's loving his own creation. This isn't a, I can make myself in the image of David so God can love me more. No, 
God did this. <laughs> like he did this. So this is a special thing and I need to respect that. And yes, I can bring forth my best fruit for him um, out of service, but it is, you know, how he created me. That That is my best. And so I shouldn't try to be someone else when he has created me for this time, this place, um, to serve and love him in a special way. I, I honestly believe that most people get distracted um, by uh, the lives of those that we seek to model instead of realizing it really is the relationship we should model. Right, um, right, like right. The relationship is what we should be picking up on and understanding from the forgiveness that we see in David and then his ability to put his sin out there publicly in songs and, and other, like right. he, he defined himself so that shame and guilt were not a thing for him, even though the culture was defined by it. He was going to be defined by his relationship with God. And that to me is mind blowing. And so often we're focused on, you know, one, two or three things that we want to take and make our own when it's no, I just need to be vulnerable and keep it simple. What would you say is one of the biggest things that's, you know, helped you when you were a new believer or were young in your faith? One of the things that like what was really helpful, I think, is to have those teachers in my life, um, youth pastor, Sunday school teachers, two, two people who stand out, especially uh, one is a woman who was a, my Sunday school teacher, like a lot of the times going growing up or she was a teacher at Awanas or something like that. and she would give us bubble gum for memorizing verses, you know? And uh, like, I'm like, oh yeah, I want the gum. All right. <laughs> you know, and, and she would, you know, just teach us just basic truth, teaching us through the stories. And that stuff is foundational for me. I still draw, I know those verses now. I didn't have to work super hard to remember, to memorize that stuff. And like when, when I became a pastor or when I, you know, was in college because I already knew it, you know? Um, so that that created a foundation, basics uh, of, you know, scripture, memory, the word, basic practices like that. And then another was my youth pastor. Um, I, my, I preached my first sermon when I was 13 because it was a special youth ser- Sunday. He yep. worked with me for weeks to help me prepare a message. And, you know, and it was just like, that's awesome. I preached, you know, and but that st- stands out to like it. It gave me confidence that I can stand up in front of people and speak and the Lord will use it, you know? And, uh, and, and so like people like that, I think that was really helpful to have key people in my life. Uh, it challenged me on this, the music that I was listening to, the language I was speaking, um, and just, yeah, the lifestyle that I, I was lead, I was leading. So it's a big deal. Do you think that that's still going on? Like that, uh, that challenging, that, that pressing in for for myself or for uh, like no a, for for the, the generations behind us. You know what I I wonder sometimes because people are we're so everything has become politicized, uh, and people you know like somehow Satan has put the wool over our eyes that you can't talk about politics because and so so then anything that he attacks politics. Huh? 
I would say is that political though, as far as you being able to correct someone or it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. But when a politics is attached to to something, then all of a sudden it becomes uncomfortable. So now we can't talk about sexuality. We can't talk about uh, issues of, and I, I say that like that, that's what the fear is. And so wow. people who are in those positions tend to just, everything's watered down. And, and uh, so if I'm, if I'm trying to work with a young man to talk about what, what does it mean to be a man? You know, mm-hmm. um, I got to, and I skirt around all of these things and I can't say this or can't say that or I'll raise these questions. So I wonder if I'm sure no pun intended there. Oh, no. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Definitely not intended. I, mean, I wish you, I were that witty. <laughs> you talked about scripture memorization in the beginning. And so I know that there is the um a lot, you know, there is the space to let the word do the work. Um yeah. and then I recognize what you're stating as far as being able to challenge um some of the cultural things and earlier on you you mentioned when you were sharing your story um just how you know god has provided with you uh, provided you with um, what i would consider community um mm-hmm. and i know as you were answering one of the things i was challenged with for most young adults as we talked about the singles ministry and other stuff and some of the changes in how the generation behind us engages is that their definition of community and you kind of both hit on it is more focused on self like if from a cultural standpoint mm-hmm. it, it really is um not built to go through tough things it's not meant to be defined by time um as well as trials it's meant to be um defined by pleasantries and comfort um I, I do think that that's part of the issue when we talk about Jer, when you asked, is this happening now? Um, I think it is happening in certain pockets, smaller churches. Mm-hmm. I think one of the issues we have is that, um, you know, we are close to the city and we are, sure. you know, a big church. But I think in rural areas, especially Midwest and other places, um, I hope that's taking place. I know one of my big issues, and I told you this the other day, Jer, is that I went to visit um, my grandmother's church down in the Carolinas right. and was humbled by the emptiness of it. Um, I assumed that everyone would be back in church because it was such a part of the community. And right. the fact that as soon as service was over, everyone flew out and there wasn't that many people to start off with. Mm-hmm. The fact that my son was one of three children there under the mm-hmm. age of 10 was scary to me because I remember it always being filled with babies and kids. Like that was just a norm to hear in the message as well as the engaging after, whether it was breaking bread or a baptism or, you know, some fruit or there was always something afterwards that allowed for people to have the opportunity. You're talking about Lonnie to rub shoulders and share life. And I don't see the time being given to that anymore. Yeah, I love my church, but as soon as as soon as the sermon is over, you know, a couple hundred people are moving, cars are moving. Yeah, we haven't yeah. even done the final song and prayer. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I know what you mean. You know, I want to be careful though because sometimes I look at the world. I think like Elijah, right, where he just ran, <laughs> and he's like, "I'm the only one left. <laughs> There's nobody else," you know, and 
And God's like, no, wait a minute. This is happening. This is happening. He's yep. always got his remnant. And I just think, like, I wonder, like, when I look back, when I visit that, the church that I grew up in, it's still a small church. Mm-hmm. Still some of the same faithful people doing the same. Like, do they know the impact that they've had? Mm-hmm. Um, I still look around and I see in our church now, I see a, um, I see people who come have come alongside my kids mm-hmm. who say things, do things. And, and so I think, um, you know, I realize that that they can be God. God is God is God. He knows how to to put yes. reserve a remnant for Himself, and so the the right things are happening so that that those influences can can uh, kick in and take place. And I think it's just a matter of when we look at society as a whole. Sometimes it's like, what is happening? You know, but I don't know what to make of that all the time. But uh, I'm going to say a hearty amen to that, and and I'll also just touch back on something you said because I think it 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 bears hearing um you didn't say this exactly but when you talk about things becoming politicized truth has become politicized mm. it's it's not just my sexuality but my identity who i am vis-a-vis the choices i make about my life mm-hmm. is now called truth and that's been politicized mm. uh, and and even weaponized and the the challenge i think that i hear coming from you as it's exactly what elijah well, Joshua rather said to the children of Israel, choose this day whom you're going to serve. Yeah. This is what Elijah said. If Baal be God, follow Baal. But if God be God, if Yahweh is God, follow him. Yeah. That's the question that stands in front of us. And that's the question that we are responsible to humbly echo to everyone who's coming up behind us. Yeah. Just that simply, if God is God, then follow him. Yeah. And absolutely. It starts with speaking to the mirror, right? But. <laughs> I don't want to step yeah. on my own toes here. <laughs> Absolutely. When it comes to your wife, how's she doing? Because I know you mentioned earlier. Oh, yeah, absolutely. She's doing well. We, uh, She uh, is in remission, has been for, we've been married for 26 years now. So she has been for, uh, for like uh, 19, 20 years. I think this was seven, seven years or, uh, yeah, it was four, three or four years into our marriage. So, yeah. Wow. Uh, and so, um, she's doing well. Uh, we just, uh, sent, sent, uh, one son away to college. Uh, he's doing well. Uh, and we, and yeah, because of her cancer, we didn't think we could have kids. And so God surprised us with him, uh, seven years into our marriage. Uh, we stopped expecting it, stopped. Started to get used to the idea of a, a different trajectory, and then all of a sudden, we're surprised with him. Didn't know that he was there until about week twenty-four or something. And wow! Then she she felt something inside. She's like, something's not right. <laughs> I got to go to the doctor. You know, like, she's like, something is moving in me. It didn't even occur to us that it could be a baby. Supposed <laughs> <laughs> to be able to have a baby. So um, that's so wonderful. Great. Great blessing that was. Well, now that you're leading in many areas and God continues to mature you and work on you and um, push you in leadership, um, what do you wish you had known, um, you know, years ago when years ago when you came to Christ? What would you tell yourself if you could go back and drop a letter in the Bible or something? Absolutely. I heard somebody say, choose your ruts very wisely and carefully because you're going to be in it for <laughs> I, wish, okay. I wish I could have created some some patterns for myself 
that, you know, in terms of especially the spiritual disciplines, like, you know, reading the word every day, you know, um, and, and what it really looks like to abide in him, you know, just the yeah. daily walk with him. It's not just checking off the box, you know, right. that I did my devos. It's learning how to commune with God. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And to really, to really believe that you can't do, you think that when you put your own strength and your own talents and, and stuff together that, oh, I, I produced something really good. And you could preach the most eloquent sermon or say the, 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 you know, put together some words so nicely and everybody's like, man, those are some good words. And it won't change any heart um, if God is not in it. Yeah. And uh, so to really learn to believe that and therefore to pray towards that end, that God would use me and work for me and, and to develop a robust prayer life. I'm still learning how to do that and how to depend on God in prayer for the fruit. Um, so those, that's, those are a couple things. Um, uh, There's another thing that I'm learning about, uh, like just about um that the hardship stuff that we talked about. And uh, again, just to remember that this is what you were made for. This is what you're called to, um, to, to, to die daily. And that, it doesn't always mean intense suffering. Um, whether you're speaking to somebody within a conversation and you're giving them your time or what, you know, like, let's just say that you, you're sacrificing your time. There's something else you could be doing. But you're intentionally giving your time to someone else for their benefit. That's love. That's yeah. dying to yourself, you know. Uh, so learning to to see those opportunities and to seize them instead of complaining about them and be like, oh, this is an opportunity to be like Jesus. Again, you know, whether it's love for others or suffering um, or dying to my sin, you know, I think that's another big one. And uh yeah, and then just to remember that I was blessed to be a blessing. So don't just absorb your blessings, but 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 uh, let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify God in heaven. And I, I've recently learned that God's blessing is not just a, his way of wishing you well when you sneeze. <laughs> it's, <laughs> his blessing is is effectual. It's it makes things happen. You know, he blessed Adam and Eve and told them to be fruitful and multiply. So because of his blessing, they could be fruitful and multiply. And so it's effectual. It's it's well, it's yeah. it's um it empowers and enriches. And so so the thought that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ um, means that he is he's given us the empowerment to accomplish the great things that he's called us to. Um so therefore, we need to get busy and do the stuff that he's called us to. We've been blessed for this. So I'm, I'm start. I'm, I'm learning that and really appreciating that a lot. Wish I had um, understood that a lot better earlier on, so I wouldn't be so self-oriented. But you know, my food is to do the will of the Father. You know, oriented. <laughs> so, so okay, things. Cool. No. Andrew Murray wrote the book Absolute Surrender, and it was very um, instructive to me. It's a book I've gone back and read a couple times very much encouraging and, and going over just kind of needing these very points, especially yeah. when it comes to prayer yeah. and abiding in the vine. That's, um, 
I wouldn't recommend everything Andrew Murray ever wrote, but I would definitely <laughs> recommend Absolute Surrender. I haven't read everything he wrote, so <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is this is hugely helpful and hugely encouraging. Dave, do you have another question? Are you? Uh, no, we're 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 good. This wow, is great. Um, this has been wonderful. Thank yeah, you. Thank you, guys. This has been fun. Um, yeah, absolutely. I appreciate the opportunity. This is. I've enjoyed getting to hear a lot of my siblings in Christ just to hear their story and their journey, and it's one of those things where. Um, it's a treat to me to hear because I've known you for so long and yeah, yeah. it's a treat to hear, um, you know, that how God has continued to work, but also how he has worked in your life and it's encouraging. So thank you for yeah. sharing. Yeah, absolutely. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. so much, Lonnie. Yeah. Thank you, uh, listener, for coming along with us. Do you have any questions? If you want to, we didn't ask you this, Lonnie. If you want to reach out, do you have any books? Do you have a podcast? Do you have anything that you want to put out here for people to uh, check out, check you out on? Um, No, I keep being told that I should, and I just feel like I got there. Other people say it better. <laughs> the Lonnie Harris Dance Off <laughs> channel on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah. I, I got a lot of starts to some stuff, some some things I'm working on um, in terms of writing, um, uh, looking at the anatomy of prayer, you know, and, mm-hmm. and kind of what uh, uh, all the prayers of the Bible sort of a thing. And, right. and uh, so, but that's not ready yet. That's, you know, lots of notes. And, uh, uh, but. No, so we'll I, have to have you back. That's, that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Yeah. Have me back and maybe I'll have something else I can <laughs> put out there for. So if people who want to reach out to you, how can they do that? You can do it uh, at my email address, Lonnie-Harris at 4C.org. Um, 4C is spelled F-O-R-C-E-Y. Um, gotcha. That's probably the, the, the best way at this point. Um, you know, uh, you can uh, write the 4C office, 4C. Um, uh, it's probably best to reach out to my email. My, the church as well. You can call me at the church uh which is a three zero one six two 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 zero zero, and um, yeah, I would love to to connect with you know answer any questions anybody might have or um, projects that people want to work on together and things like that. So excellent, thank you, thank you so much for your time. Absolutely, it's a pleasure, listener. Thank you for joining us. Um, if you want to reach out to us, you know you can do so at anchoredanddevoted@gmail.com. Um, we, we enjoy having these conversations. I would ask you, dear listener, to, uh, if you've enjoyed this, if it's been beneficial to you, would you share it with someone, uh, someone you want to encourage, someone you want to bless, pass it on. Like you said, Lonnie, we've been blessed to be a blessing. Let's go be a blessing. Absolutely. Amen. We love you guys. We will talk to you all soon.